This is how I remember it happening. I was in front of my television committing to watch something on Netflix, but I was in that time where I'm indecisive as to what to watch. And Netflix was doing this new thing at the time where they show a preview to force you to watch whatever you're on. And I happened to land on Godless, something that had recently come out. And from my understanding, it was a Western strictly about women, but the preview surprised me. It ended up being a Western about a guy that was fatherless, a crook that was the dad, and his whole story. So I started to watch and I get into episode three because I'm hooked by the first few minutes. And I come on this one scene that makes me feel like this is everything I've begun to believe about what it means to be a man and everything that's broken about getting there. The scene is set with Roy Good, who's the major character in the show, breaking horses so that he can earn his way from being out of jail and earn his own freedom from a family. So Roy Good actually is breaking a horse and a young boy is watching Roy, his name's Trucky. And Roy looks over at the boy who's sitting on the fence watching all this go down, watching Roy break these horses. And Trucky makes a comment that she's a beautiful horse. Roy then takes that opportunity to pull alongside him on the fence there on the horse and says that he should do the same, that he should ride the horse. Trucky immediately gives some pushback by saying, no, that one's too strong, maybe one that's smaller or older or weaker, as I remember. Roy then leans up in his saddle and he looks at Trucky, who was an Indian, and says, what kind of Indian are you that you don't know how to ride a horse? That struck me as important in that moment because I actually felt myself hearing that line. What kind of man are you that you don't know how to blank? And it's at that moment that I realized this little scene, these two or three minutes, they were really personal. It was about more than the show. It was about my own story. So everything changed from that one question. And then Roy follows that question by asking Trucky how long he's been alone with women. Trucky had a father, but the father had disappeared from the scene by this time and he was living with his mom and his grandmother and then Roy follows it with this one big question long enough to forget who you are I remember taking the remote to my Amazon fire that I have hooked into the back of my television I hit pause and I thought about that question I don't know how long but a really long time I didn't even get to the rest of the scene because it really struck me to think, I wonder how many things I've been involved with for so long that I've actually forgotten who I really am. That question was a summary of my own journey for probably the past three years. What are the things in my own life that have trapped me? Things that I've been in for so long that I've forgotten who I was made to be, intended to be. And what are the places where I've been so scared that even when challenged, I've pushed away and not answered that challenge to prove that I have what it takes. So eventually I get my bearings, I unpause the show and I continue watching and the lessons for me just continue. Trucky decides to mount the horse and it goes poorly. Roy is there the whole time, in a fence, inside, in safety. There's this wild animal that Trucky is trying to ride. Keep in mind the horse has already been broken. This is just a new, younger rider. And Roy is there taking the father figure inside of this story giving him instructions about what he should do. The next thing that happens as Trucky is riding this horse is that it speeds up. But before it goes out of control, Trucky then looks over at his mom who has come out of a well that she's digging. Long story there. She comes out of this well and she's actually in man's clothing because 
I believe the person who wrote this scene wanted to make her as if she was doing a man's job. Truckee looks up from the horse as it's galloping around this pen, and he says, Look, Mom, he's looking for his mother's affection. Another moment where I think, gosh, that's exactly me, a boy on a horse trying to do something good and looking for my mother's approval. And it only gets deeper from there. Truckee then gets thrown off, and it's a pretty violent thing as the story goes. Roy looks at him and says, you have to get back on the horse. Truckee looks up and says, no, I'm not going to do it. He gave it a shot, and now he's giving up because it didn't work out. His worst fears had become actually true. Roy then does this fatherly thing, some back and forth. Truckee gets back on this horse again and again. In this short scene, he gets thrown off. He just can't defeat it. There's just one time where Roy says, are you the master of that horse or is it the master of you? Something along those lines. I just remember the point hitting me that Roy was calling Truckee to decide, is he going to run this horse or is the horse going to run him? Truckee then locks eyes with Roy and gives him that look like only a young boy could give. I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. Roy then nods his head and he turns his back on Truckee. And I thought of my own story. I wonder if there's times where men who saw something in me that I did not tried to get me to do something. I refused. They gave me one last opportunity and they walked away. Then Truckee does something different than I've done in my own life, at least up until this point. He makes a decision to set his face towards this horse, to grab the end of the rope and to do whatever's necessary to get back on it. And this is how the story goes. He actually does get on the horse. He actually does ride the horse that day. But looking back on the scene, there was this one thing that really, really captured me. In that moment where Truckee was trying to make a decision, with his clothes full of dirt, his face in the dust, his mom starts to rush for the pen. And Roy Good, as the father figure inside the pen, running this whole process, never even looks at the woman, the mother, rushing towards the son. He simply raises his hand, and she stops in her tracks. The confidence of Roy made me feel like it's something that I want. Back to Truckee, he's riding the horse, he he does everything he needs to do to get on it, and he's successful. And then Roy gives what I would call in my language, the blessing. He says, no more mules for you, cowboy. He gives him a new name. The irony, I'm sure something that all of us would see in this story, is that he's an Indian that's called a cowboy because of what he's achieved. Looking back over watching this scene, and I've watched it probably 20 times since then, there's something new to learn. Because I think it's a question that we as men all ask. It's a process that we must all go through. It is my personal conviction that it's a process that we don't pace through very well. I know it's just a scene in a Netflix series. It's a Western that actually is a lot about women and all the men having died in a mining accident and how that plays out. But I think there's a lesson in there not just for me, not just for Ben, but for all of us. What is it like to be a man? What is it like to transition from being a boy to a man? How do we have the confidence that we need to ride the horse? Are there things in our life that we can't break on our own? If a father figure is actually missing in our life, could another man step in and actually be that for us? How do we seek the applause of the world of women, but also not let that applause dictate how we feel about ourselves? Lots of big questions from this three minutes inside of this Netflix series that I think will chart the course for where we're headed this season. Hello there. My name is Chase Hammock, and you're listening to The Hanger Podcast. 
Most episodes, I'm joined by my good friends and fellow Hangerman leaders, Ben Derrick and Mauricio Hans. This is Ben. So when does the rainbow come into play? The podcast was mostly his idea. And this is Mauricio. Yeah, I don't have Spotify. I call him Mosef because he lets me. The name of the game here on the Hanger Podcast is reclaiming manhood and showing men what it means to live as God has called us to. This takes many shapes and forms, and we're willing to try quite a lot of them here on the podcast. So, we hope you'll sit down, grab a pipe or drink, and stay a while. And as always, welcome to the Hanger. Good to hear that intro again. It's beautiful music. Would you like me to just... Yes, of course. You've been waiting to do that for <laughs> so long. Yeah. Exactly how long, we don't know. I could probably look it up right now while we're talking, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% confident that's not at all how it goes. It's just what's stored in my mind. Well, you know, at least you have something that you're uh, clinging to. <laughs> That's sad commentary. Here's what I'm clinging to in my life. The intro to a podcast we, we haven't recorded in, in months. Hey, that was a great speech that guy gave leading into this thing. What do yeah. you think of my little speech in there? What do you think of my speech? Robert Duvall, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, so we're uh, we're leading out. A se- this We're doing the season thing. Yeah. And uh, this thing that we're doing right now with the three of us, although I'm sure our listeners are like, yes, it's finally back. This is only going to be a portion of what happens from this point forward. You guys don't even know what's coming. We really don't. Which I is, don't even know. That's probably good. Well, <laughs> yeah. nothing's new there, right? Yeah. So what um, we need to break down, though, I've just been talking about this scene in Godless for what feels like ever. We need to talk about this before we spend a whole season one trying to figure it out. All right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Can we talk about can we talk about the show first just a little bit? Well, like like the whole sure. show? Yeah, sure. like what's going on. Like what it's like you kind of did it in your little intro. But like I like that your little intro. Your little yeah. your little speech. I he he meant that belittling, but we'll continue. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Okay. I'm I'm all for you living your best life then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm the guy to actually say here. I think summaries are kind of your thing. You've seen it, right? Yeah, it's been a long time though. Have you rewatched it? I haven't rewatched it. I've only rewatched the scene. Re-watched yeah, okay. Scene. I have to admit, I've watched God- Godless start to finish three times. You're gonna need to summarize. Yeah, I think you win. <laughs> I've watched it three times. I've only watched a specific scene three times, and it wasn't that one. Uh, was it where he gets in the canyon? He gets chased into the canyon. Is it that one? Yes, that's the one. First of all, I do have to say, you Chase, you can respect how beautiful this. What a job they did with this, just capturing Yeah, it. the only things that I never really liked were the flashbacks, how they looked. That yeah, was looked weird. That's a difficult thing to do correctly. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll give you that. And then the whole last scene, I, I think they kill at least 640 people. They do. In the last scene. Oh, and spoiler the, alerts, by the way. Sorry. You, I, uh, I was spo- it's to a say Western that. where they shoot people. Spoiler alert there. But I know I'm saying it because you just reminded me. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. There may it, be times where we talk about things that like actually happened in the rest of the series. And it, yeah. You know, I'm so confident. With, people. I'm so confident with how this is going to go, though. If you know a lot of details, it's still good to watch. So the basic premise of the whole thing is that there's a mining town in the West, mm-hmm. and a really traumatic thing happens, and 
all the men in the town die in one instant inside of this mine. Minus what, two? Yeah, three? one or two. And, and one of the guys that survives is crazy. And you can ask him a particular question, and he'll give you the same speech. Uh, so it starts off as a really sad story. It isn't like a, a feminist thing where, hey, all these women just went out west and decided to settle a town. Right. They're in this spot, and they, they, they're not real excited about it. But they figured out a way to live life. They didn't mm-hmm. disperse the town and go to other places. Like, okay, we'll get this figured out. The mine's not operational. And uh, so the scene is set in the initial stages of the story where women have actually assumed men's roles. And the way that I saw it is this isn't a really great thing, but these women are making do. Then you have this other storyline with Frank and Roy Good. And Roy Good was, is an orphan that Frank kind of takes in and decides to make him his son. And this is a pattern that this outlaw has. He sees himself as a father figure to all these uh, ragamuffins that have no father figures and turns them into a pretty violent group of men. Lots of stuff to talk about there. But these two uh, storylines converge in that Roy Good finds himself in this town and uh, actually gets shot by one of the women, uh, finds himself in this town, and then how how does all that work out? You've got a young sheriff's deputy that's there by himself, locks him up in jail, um, and is in charge of watching him. Then a woman breaks him out of jail, and then the story ensues. So it kind of turns into a a love story slash uh, man finding himself story because he's separated from Frank. He's decided to go against Frank uh, for whatever reason, so now he is without that pseudo father figure and he's landed on this, uh, you can't really call it a farm. It's like a cabin. He's landed in this cabin with this woman who is there with her son and no husband, but her dead husband's mother. And they're trying to kind of figure out a way. Her goal, it seems, is to make enough money to get the heck out of there. And then Roy Good shows up and we're off to the races, pun intended. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I yeah. think so. Sets it up anyway. Yeah, I think there was a cool part of what Roy is doing is using a skill taught to him by Frank um, in order to kind of help get himself back on his feet financially and I guess to help her out in a way to so kind of make a deal. He strikes a deal with her with these horses, and that's why in your description he was breaking the horse right? because she had a bunch of wild horses that she was going to sell to the town. Um, to help get that money to get out of there, right? Yeah. He has two skills, two unique skills that cause him to gain respect in almost any environment he's in. He's really good with a gun. That's established very early, and he's really good with horses. So if you're in the West, those are two things to be great at. You can literally almost do anything. That's right. But the, the way that they portray it in the show is that it kind of commands awe from the people around him. Like, whoa. A guy that can shoot like that. And then you see him with the horse, and he breaks the horse in this really unique way, laying him down. And there's lots of kind of folklore around all of that. But Roy is a very talented man, uh, but is in a, in a really bad situation in his life and has been for a while. And then obviously you're thinking when these two people meet, we were discussing this off mic, they're both beautiful people. They're probably going to sleep together at some point. You <laughs> so, know the second you see them together, you're like, like this wow. is This is going to happen. It just depends on what episode, and uh, and it does happen. So, Mo, what episode was that? I don't know, six. <laughs> six? No, sex, six. I don't know. <laughs> Minute 374. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, But it's, uh, it's just a multi-layered story, but uh, a lot of it I think, I don't know this because I haven't spoken to the person who wrote it, but it seems like there's a large investigation into what does it mean to be fatherless 
and you start going against that, but you keep some things that you learn during it. And how, how is Roy Good going to be his own man? That's the big question. And, and the rest of the episodes end up kind of playing that out. And this guy, Frank, just has some really, really great lines, not to mention the fact that he's half of the team of Dumb and Dumber and <laughs> does an incredible job playing this evil, evil guy. But you question if he is evil. Maybe he's just broken too. I don't know. It's just really well written. There's a lot of rich stuff to talk about there. Well, there's a. We do bring up movies a lot, not in the way Chase wants to, but we do bring up movies a lot, a lot. and yeah. they are often westerns, which include shooting, and horses. And so, what's different about this one? That, you know. Yeah, how does this stand apart from like yeah. Open Range or Dances with Wolves? Because or- if there's people who are listening that have been listening, this isn't an a unique conversation in any way and it would appear at first right because we're just talking about a really kick-butt western movie yeah yeah i agree with you i think that's something good to point out i think this one scene and and why i went on that speech by myself here at the beginning of this season that one scene just it it touched me is that okay to say in a on a man's podcast yeah i'm like man just something in my heart just feels ripped wide open watching trucky fight this horse and having Roy there and the specific things that are said um, from Roy to Truckee, the things that Truckee does, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, as I was describing it to a hangar man a couple of weeks ago, if you want to know what the hangar's about, you'll watch these three minutes in this show. And I, I said that just riding in a truck with him one day. We'd actually, he was teaching me to shoot uh, a pistol. And we were in the truck riding back from that experience. And that's what I told him. And when that came out of my mouth, I thought, whoa. This had some significance for me, and and I don't think it's just for me personally. I think any man who watches this with the framework of understanding it isn't just a Western, that's the medium, but it's about masculinity and the masculine journey and the things that we're facing in our own culture today, even though we don't have uh, people that are breaking horses often in our suburban neighborhoods or wherever we, we find ourselves. So I think that's the distinguisher for me. Yeah, it's a good scene. I appreciate you uh, going in there and saying those few words to mask my long, dramatic pause before I jump in. That's the role Chase yeah, is well, the Yeah, I feel like I know you well enough, but I'm not like fully in tune with how long of a pause is like either he's going to say something mm. or he's definitely not. Yeah. And I don't. It's a little I'm dance a, you guys are doing. I'm a man of mystery. You know, yeah, international. International, man. Well, let me ask this question to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. You guys have seen the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you feel watching it? Go ahead, man. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for you to fill my <laughs> think tank time. Um, there was a lot. I agree with you that there was uh, the first time I saw it. In fact, I believe I started watching it when we were talking about it before a podcast that we were recording. I went home that day and started watching it. And uh, I think once I got to that part in the episode, I texted you, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we we actually kind of talked about it a little bit there. It was very powerful for me, too. I I, I noticed a lot of different things. Um, This last these last couple of weeks, uh, spending a few times watching it over and over again, just to kind of refamiliarize myself for it as we come into the season with it. Sorry, not for it. The uh, 
it even jumped more jumped out, you know, cause I was kind of intentional trying to see what can I pull out of it? What can I, but, uh, I noticed a lot of different things. I noticed the difference in the, the reaction of the women in the scene, um, to what was going on inside there. And just kind of that interaction between, like you were saying with Roy and Truckee and the women at a distance, it just seems like there was a lot communicated in silence, um, that I had not really noticed before. And it kind of taught me, or I started thinking about some of the differences between uh, the way we modern day interact with women and some of the things that it was kind of, I don't know, leaning into, or at least I perceived that the writer was kind of showing as far as, far as a kind of a, a healthy interaction between a, a male and a, and a female figure in, in some kind of, they weren't in a relationship to per se, but I mean, they kind of were. They were in relationship to one another, whether it be professionally or, 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 or physically. Well, I think by this point, she's not fully bought in on Roy. Right. So I, I think this serves as a turning point for the entire series because she, uh, there's a lot of respect gained because of what, she can, what he can do with his son after that scene. Up until that point, it's just I have an opportunity to bust a man out of jail because I can push over the weak young guy. Mm-hmm. And I get this man out of jail and he can do some stuff. Yeah. Uh, that I, I need done so I can get out of here. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there makes a significant turn. As listening to you talk about it, Mauricio, I'm thinking, you know, even that one lesson, if we were to stop right there, that Truckee and Roy are inside the fence and the women are outside the fence. And what that communicates, what it would mean to me right now having having two sons, I think if it were me, let's let's just play it out this way. If it were me in that scene and my son had been thrown off the horse, you know, I'm not sure what I would have done to him particularly, but I do know that the world of women and my wife specifically would have rushed to the fence and I would have waited for her to get there. And then I would have had a chat about it. We would have talked ad nauseum about what I should or should not be doing. And then my son would be ignored in his failure, in his shame, all of those things, because I would suddenly be engaged and Roy solves this with a lifting of his hand. I mean, fantastic. You know, I believe there's something in the way we are men. We should be able to do that. But so many of us, myself included, do not have the confidence to live that way. Well, I'll take it a step further. I think modern day, it would not just be the women running there. It would be the men. And then if a man doesn't run, so, uh, you know, Isaac, my son, was playing a basketball game, fell down and got hurt. And I didn't just jump up immediately and run out. I waited. Did you? Yeah, I just sat there and waited in the stands and just watched. But the looks on of the from the people around me of me why aren't why aren't I running out there? You know, because I just wanted to make sure before I did whether or not he was seriously injured and needed me to be there. But there are coaches. There, I mean, there's a whole process set into place. A whole. A system set into place when it, when a player gets injured, you know, dad doesn't need to be running in from the, but if a man doesn't do that, if a man doesn't um, play that sort of, uh, just say feminine role because they're the, um, the nurturers, right? If a man doesn't just stay back and let his son do what he's going to do or, you know, kind of work it out for himself, he gets kind of looked down on. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is going to brace yourself for this connection. But I remember listening to a Jeff Foxworthy tape. Okay. With my mother. Check mm. this out. <laughs> uh, 
we were in it. We had a maroon Civic at the time, and it had a tape deck in it. And we were listening to Jeff Foxworthy on the way way home. I'm I'm a young kid, and Jeff Foxworthy was telling a story about kids sticking things in light sockets, and how protective parents are. I mean, this has been a long time ago, and I just remember his his whole punchline was, "Man, I remember my dad used to sit on the couch." That's my best Jeff Foxworthy. And, uh, you know, we would stick something in a light socket and my dad would say, yeah, hurt like hell, didn't it? <laughs> Bet you won't do that again. You know, and, and I just, it struck me because when we had children, I went around my house and, and covered all of that up. You know, it was, we, need, we need to make sure this child cannot even roll over by themselves, but we need to make sure that they can't stick anything in a light socket. But yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that has changed. And I think maybe we're getting down to a little bit of the root of it. The power of this scene is that it feels so contra the way that we're living, but it, it feels so right. Yeah, and I think another thing that works in tandem with that is like when he when he has to hold his hand up, you only see one of those women running towards what's going on. The grandmother is behind the mom, literally cheering. Come on, yeah. Every time the kid is falling down, because yeah. she, she has lived in a civilization that, for lack of a better phrase, knows their role. Not even lack of. That's the proper way to say it. That knows yeah. their role, right? Oh yeah. There is one hundred percent room for a mother in a boy's life, and no one here is going to argue that. But there's some things that the dad just has to do, and things like that. Honestly, I, I think your dad's going to be better suited teaching you for it. Man, not a bold thing to say given the podcast we're on, but like unfair. Yeah, <laughs> unfair. That's what I say to that. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking as you were describing it, Mauricio, is I think what I would have done is to start to just beat the hell out of the horse. I mean, that feels like an instinct we have. Like, what a pop, 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 you know? Takes me back to Tombstone, where that guy's doing that, actually. And um, if Roy had done that, then the whole scene would have gone differently. He, he sits back. He sits in the stands, and he waits to see. He waits to see what Truckee's reaction is going to be. I mean, it just fascinates me that this guy who who had Frank as a father figure seems to be instinctively doing all these things right in this scenario. And I wonder if part of that is because of his comfort with the horses. I mean, Roy doesn't have any children, but he is comfortable with the horse and knowing that world, and it allows him to be confident, I think, with Truckee to know what Truckee needs. Um, yeah, I think that part of what uh, what makes him so confident in that is that unlike Truckee, who forgot his nature you know by now Truckee's age he would have been riding horses he would have been initiated towards manhood and um but but roy hasn't forgotten that he's a man he hasn't forgotten who he is he's been living this life and so for a man who is living as a man whether or not he had that displayed to him by a father or, or a man before him it's just instinctive he knows like, this is what a man is. This is how I became a man. This is, you know, just kind of passing that on. So there's a question I was just thinking of just there, and you kind of brought it up perfectly. Like, does Roy know this by instinct, or has Frank taught him this, the freaking evil guy in the entire series? Like, who's the thing for this? Is it biological instinct, or what we know now is what we've been created to do, or is it his dad, quote-unquote, teaching him how to do this stuff? Incredible question. I'd love to hear the answer. I think it's both because if you think back to the flashbacks, um, there are a lot of, even from the very beginning, uh, when Roy was a child, they meet by him stealing his horse while Frank is watching. And that whole interaction ends with Roy on the ground in pain. Um, 
he's he's on the ground in pain and these two men frank and another one of the guys is talking to him and just kind of like hey this is kind of a lesson you know when this when you do this this hurts this happens um and then roy is holding a gun uh as a child pointing pointing it at frank and frank just has this calm kind of caring like i'm going to teach you i'm going to train you uh demeanor when he as he disarms uh Roy. Roy, right? I haven't, I haven't made that parallel, boy. That, I can really link those two scenes now that you, you make it out like that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean everything, like all the flashbacks that Roy has as he's thinking about him, are the moments when Frank is being a loving, caring father figure. I mean, which I mean, in some cases, kind of talks about the dangers of it when you've got a guy who's doing a good job of loving and caring and influencing um, a young man but making him an evil man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's the, yeah. the, the idea of having that father figure who's leading you into manhood and the power therein left in the wrong hands. You know what I mean? Very dangerous thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me, you brought up something about, we were talking about this yesterday. That's why I'm going back to it. Tell me about the clothes thing, because now that we're sitting here talking about it, I'm remembering that at some point Roy digs up clothes and puts them on. You guys remember that? Um, at a oh, that's, yeah, that that was grave. his dad's. Yeah, yeah. So here we have he gets himself in trouble with the grandma, which which by the way, I mean, you just want to sit down and smoke a cigar with this woman. And, and <laughs> she looks a, like she smoked quite a few, by the a way. A lot. <laughs> she looks like she dips or something. Yeah, at <laughs> least yeah, she could she could definitely drink you under the table. You know that already. <laughs> Uh, but she is pissed, man, because Roy puts on some clothes, and I'm I'm realizing there's some parallels here that he he puts on he digs up his dead father's clothes at later. The the, yeah, the, the when he's ready to take charge, you know. But at this point, he's put on another man's clothes earlier in the Just story. Just out of need, honestly, not not even thinking of like ramifications. I think. Yeah, he's really confused. Like, what's the problem? Yeah. And Chucky says, now that you've put those clothes on, she can never get them back. They're yours. And there's something like, whoa, that's a big thing. We're just going to skip past it. But Mauricio, you were saying yesterday, that's a pretty striking part of the of the scene for you. Yeah, the question I had was, what stopped uh, Trucky's mom? You know, a stranger right. that he's she's still skeptical of. You know, she's had arm's length, kind of just a business transaction. You know, if if some random stranger or a person like our lawn maintenance guy were to hold up his hand to tell my wife to stop running after my child, she would probably kick him in the nuts on the way there. You know what I mean? Like, who the heck do you think you are telling me? And m- most mothers are like that. I mean, That's who- the most degrading thing you can do. Yeah. She'd probably kick him in the nuts. Kick him in the nuts, <laughs> punch him in the throat. My wife would stab him. But the point is, we, uh, you know. Stay tuned for episode four, by the way. <laughs> Featuring was- Mo and his wife in prison. <laughs> I was thinking about why she stopped. And, uh, and one of the connections I made was that the clothes that he's wearing, she's watching this take place from a distance. And the clothes that Roy is wearing are the clothes of her dead husband, the father of the child that he is working with. And I mean, I just felt like it seemed fitting that she would stop thinking this scene looks like what it would look like had my husband still been here with his son. Mm. The power of television. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so even the fact that the clothes fit, I mean, this is something we don't think about unless we sit around and talk about it for 20 minutes like we are now. But the clothes fit, you know, so he's stepping in and 
it's symbolism, right? I mean, this was done on purpose, but we're actually picking up on it. And, you know, so if I were to ask this final question, because I, I couldn't be more excited about working this out over 10 episodes this season. If I were to ask you guys, like, why is this worth pursuing for you personally? Because part of what this podcast does, I think that separates us from a lot of especially uh, Jesus-based stuff, and and even more especially from just the, the masculine hubris that's like, here's how to shave and what underwear to wear. Uh, why or is, not. Yeah, or not wear. Why is this um, captivating enough for you guys personally to pursue for 10 episodes on a Hangar podcast? Well, I, what draws me to it is the fact that something like this exists in the modern television era that we're in. Like everything that's out there culturally or media related is like trying to blur the lines between genders, They're like literally. So it's almost a, a borderline miracle that a scene like this has existed and not been just torched by the media because of like, you know, the sexism behind it or the misogyny or the chauvinistic nature of it or whatever. It's so I, I think that at a base level is what's really got me uh, intrigued to unpack this thing. It's cool. It's fair game. Yeah. yeah. People are, be we're begging for a, a season two. Yes. And there probably never will be one. Yeah. But, which, uh, which bad end move on their part, by the way, <laughs> don't give in. I agree. Like, but also, I want season two. <laughs> yeah, definitely want season two, especially because of the way that it ends. Or yeah. write something else. <laughs> yeah, even better. Take take that and even. Better. How about for you, Mauricio? Is it you just along for the ride, or you're like, man, I'm intrigued too? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in there for me that affects me emotionally. Like I don't know, even that scene specifically, um, it really hits me in the feels. You know, the interaction between Trucky and Roy, um, and even the parallel or the the comparison, the contrast, rather, between, uh, well, the parallel and the contrast. It's kind of weird between Frank and Roy. Um, you know, this whole father-son thing, this, um, I don't know. It's just, it's there's something about it that hits me pretty heavily in the emotional kind of realms of my life. Uh, just how I want to raise my son, thinking about how I was raised and the stuff that was, was missing from my life that I didn't even realize I wanted or needed until recently. Um you know, just kind of stuff like that. It's, it's, it's exciting to me to be able to look into it and see these interactions, but also where God's plan, where God's um, design fits into it and how there's a lot in there with the scriptures that actually kind of line up. Yeah. When something on Netflix aligns with the trajectory of my life, I'm going to start paying attention uh, because I'm thinking about the stark contrast. I'm, I haven't watched an episode, so don't don't judge me for my opinions on it. But I see this often, the little uh, rectangle that goes by that says transparent. <laughs> Have you guys seen that show? What are you talking about? It's a, a show on Netflix, Transparent. No. Uh -uh. Yeah, but it's like trans parent it's a uh, it's a woman dressed as a mm. it's a dude dressed as a woman an old man dressed as a woman so it's yeah when something kind of like sneaks through like you're saying and flies under the radar but i feel like the men that i've talked to that have seen it are like whoa yeah there's something there and and let's dig into that so wait godless or transparent? godless yeah okay. sorry not transparent godless it, it, I'm, i use transparent just to set the the uh, stage there for how unique this scene in Godless is and the whole story in Godless. And we maybe we'll get to this by season 10, maybe we won't, or uh, season 10, episode 10, maybe we won't. But what 
Roy is required to do in his relationship with Frank. Big moment there. Big, big moment. Maybe we'll get to that. But what what's uh, in it for me right now, it is definitely a practical nature, which I think is going to shock both of you. But the reason I'm wanting to discuss this is not for the uh, thought process or the really symbolic nature of everything. I think I have a need right now to father my son's well. And I think this is the well from which I can get that information, that I can figure out how do I interact with my two boys? How can I be for them what I needed when I was their age? And what is God doing in this, for me personally, what is God doing in this scene to get my attention for very particular personal reasons. That's why I'm in it. Mm -hmm. 